power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. Woo! What you have got is the man of tomorrow. But how did Dr. Brian Sovereign end up with that name? Well, for the next few days, you are going to find out how that happened. What you are getting here is a history lesson in what has been lovingly called by the Sovereign Tech listeners, the Sovereign Verse. And it all started many years ago uh, when Sovereign Tech got to episode 99. And in honor of the, of at that time, the upcoming episode 100, I wanted to do something really special. Um, it also helped that it was, you know, somewhere around Halloween and I came to the conclusion that, well, I'm going to shock everybody, uh, at the end of the episode have all kinds of weirdness occur or sound like weirdness is occurring in the studio and have me end up in the future, in the year 2099, and it became a legendary episode called Sovereign 2099. Um, now, before this, I would do, I had started, and this was around episode 75, um, I had decided to start doing intros uh, to, like, to the varying segments. But these intros were like interstitial uh, <laughs> role plays would not be the right term, but they were... Uh, you know, creating like a fictional aspect to the podcast, which, you know, I think at the time was pretty revolutionary. Um, you are going to get those as well. So again, over the next few nights, getting ready for the next full numbered prime episode of Sovereign Tech, we are going to take you through the history of the Sovereign Verse from Sovereign 2099 to all of the, uh, you know, different segment intros, uh, th that I had done, which were full stories. Like you'd get a full story by the end of each two hour, uh, you know, episode where I was just talking about, you know, reality, but you'd get this fictional story in between. And this would eventually lead to the very popular Soviet tech episodes, which you will be experiencing those as well. And then beyond those, even you will be getting every, again, every intro the continuation of the story. And I might even include some audio editions of, uh, short stories that had been done within the sovereign verse, uh, itself. So if you've been wondering what this, you know, fictional aspects of the show are, uh, what the sovereign universe or sovereign verse as it gets called now, uh, you know what that's all about. I'm here for you. And we're going to break it up into different pieces. Again, in this one, you're going to get some of the original, uh, intros, intro segments, which had their own story and, you know, that comes to completion and then we'll get into sovereign 2099. And then after that, over the following nights, we will get Soviet tech one, Soviet tech two, so much more. And then, Hmm, I wonder what's going to drop after that. So I will let this episode ride out, um, as these others will going forward over the next few days. And I will see all of you <laughs> really. Woo on the other side, and I can't wait. Accessing Agent Files Brian Sovereign Early 21st Century Anarchist Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check 
By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government, helping usher in an incredible time. Hmm. Hello, Mr. Sovereign. Brian Sovereign. And yours? Natalia. Care to play a game of roulette? I'd love to. Number and color? 69. Black. As you wish. Tech Roulette. You're a lucky man, Mr. Sovereign. Not many win so well at the game of chance. That's because it's not a game of chance, Natalia. It's a game of choice. <laughs> game of choice. You are quite the man, Mr. Sovereign. Are you busy tonight? Natalia, if you'll excuse me, I uh, just received a very important email. Later then, Mr. Sovereign. Important email. Agent Sovereign, go to this webpage and follow. What kind of webpage is this? Is that Natalia? I better go to the website of the week. Solves everything. Well, looks like we made it out of the country. Good driving. Let's find some place to relax. Somewhere with a nice big bed, I think. Let me pull up an app. Sounds good to me. Software of the week. Oh, oh, Natalia. Oh, oh, it feels so good. I'm so close. I know what you need. The climax. If you're curious more about that conversation about, you know, like the nature of time or whatever, of course, you can email me, Brian uh, at Zomia Offline Games, and I will, you know, maybe I'll elaborate more on on my own thoughts on that. So kind of like the idea of there is no tomorrow. What does that mean? I wonder. (laughs) So do check these movies out. They were really good. 
Uh, I mean, I just rock solid performances from Scarlett Johansson. Uh, no, no doubt about it. And one, you know, one of them has no explanation and the other, unfortunately, has a lot of science that deserves debunking. So so they both deserve a lot of explanation. Uh, but that's that's the nature of great movies is that they, they give you something to think about after the fact and to talk about. That's that's really what we want from these things. So anyway, hey, wait a minute. What's uh, what, what the hell? The, uh, Attention, Agent Sovereign. Motherfucker, not we now. are experiencing a system failure. The studio's temporal field is operating at 33% capacity. Computer, activate temporal field repair. Negative. Automatic field repair inoperable. Computer, computer, what is the status of Omicron particle storage? Large Omicron particle leak. Prepare for giant warp in three. No, 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 two, no, 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 computer, stop one. the warp, stop the warp. Computer, where the hell are we? The Shire, previously known as New Hampshire. The present year is 2099 CE. Brian Sarin, welcome to 2099. We've been expecting you. Oh boy. On November 8, 2014, Brian Sarin entered a temporal warp and traveled through time to the year 2099. The recording you are about to hear is some of the only data recovered from the incident. As best as can be calculated, the time stream has not been affected by Agent Sovereign's appearance in the future, as the data shows that denizens of that year were prepared for his appearance. It is unclear, however, as to what effect the Omicron particle leak has had on space time. Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now here's Brian. Oh, yes. The man of tomorrow is here for you for another great episode of Sovereign Tech, ready to transmit to all the V-Cell radio waves in Osiris One. I love this city. What a trip to get here. Can't beat it. So, boy, a lot of events coming up. I'm not even going to get into those that are going on. A whole lot of festivals. Fantastic. But what I want to get into, let's get right into the random access because we've got a lot to cover this week. Okay. <laughs> the clock is ticking for the 22nd century. No doubt about it. Of course, I won't be till, you know, you know, it was funny. Back in the 20th century, a lot of people thought that the year 2000 was the start of the 21st century. Everybody thought, oh, God, there's Y2K. There was all this, you know, just in, just crazy stuff, crazy fervor going around. Uh, but actually, as, you know, a lot of people that are hearing this knows, to, you know, 2101 
will actually be the start of the 22nd century. And I can't help but be excited about it because things are taking place. That's for sure. So let's get into the random access right out of the gate here today. November 15th, 2099 is the 75th anniversary of one of the greatest days in my opinion. And at least for me, one of the greatest days in history. This is the day. 75 years ago that Facebook finally crumbled, folded, went over. It was done. Beautiful. People finally had had enough of the overly conservative policies that Facebook was pushing on people. Now, granted, uh, you know, they all went off to that other social media network and you know which one I'm talking about. But regardless, finally, such a really such a controlling company went under just as it should. The market really spoke. Uh, it was amazing. Instagram, all of it gone. And they couldn't even sell off the properties. The names of every product that Facebook put out there was just so bad. Like it was just so tarnished that it was all over. And Zuckerberg perhaps went off like Napoleon to a little island. Not that I th imagine he walked away with much money, but who the hell cares about money these days? Uh, <laughs> talk about a thing of the past. So anyway, 75 years ago, the market spoke and said no more of this, you know, really, at least back then, while while there was still some degree of choice in, in networks, uh, you know, used to be <laughs> it's long before which we're going to get into the Amazon Entente here to talk about that. But at least the market did speak. And boy, it's just it's one of those great moments where a genuinely evil company does go down. Uh, so really have 75 years, you know, definitely <laughs> Get the fireworks going. <laughs> so, wow. Now, you know how much I love to talk about hardware on Sovereign Tech. And so let's get into the hardware. The very, for the very first time, this is incredibly exciting, what has been developed. The a 100 Yodabyte. 100 Yodabyte. A 100 Yoda. That's Y-O-T-T-A. A 100 Yodabyte DNA drive was developed do you realize, you know, back back in the in the early part of the 21st century, I mean, a terabyte was a lot. One terabyte. A yodabyte is a trillion terabytes. And now, now we're <laughs> we're making DNA drives that that can do a hundred yodabytes. I mean, God, I can't even not that you know, not a lot of people here might not remember what MP3s were, but I can't even imagine how many of those you would store onto a hundred yodabytes. That's got to be almost everything ever produced. Incredible. So that that's great. And I, you know, I love these DNA drives. They pretty much they can at attach to just about anything. You know, far better than having to deal with like SATA nine uh, and all those you know various protocols. Uh, this is really really slick stuff that it, you know it can just attach. But we're going to talk more about that because a lot of people are very concerned about organic computing there they really well let's get into that during tech roulette i don't want to go any further but regardless what a milestone a hundred yodabytes on a dna drive i mean that that's amazing i mean how big are these dna drives <laughs> i i mean like what 1.8 inch i mean uh, just 
incredible. Sorry, I used inches. I should be using metric these days. But uh, anyway, uh, let's see. A little more hardware. This is something that actually has me kind of excited because little did I have to do with it, <laughs> or at least little did I have to do with it now. But Rintech, that's R-Y-N Tech, uh, but Rintech has developed the Libertine 7 Authlet. And they the specs have just come out really excited to see just what this thing, you know, can totally do. Now, it's a real credit, uh, you know, to the fact that Authlets are still kind of the the order of the day. Of course, you know, they're the offshoots from uh, what we used to call smartphones. And, you know, Authlets are great. It allows you to have a completely anonymous identity. You don't even really have an identity. All you have is a randomized authentication feature. And it kind of works like, you know, you people might not remember this, but back, at, you know, again, in the early 21st century, uh, Steve, a guy named Steve Gibson came up with what's called Squirrel, S-Q-R-L. And that allowed for a device to, you know, to authenticate certificates, you know, just with a QR code. Now, of course, an authlet works a whole lot, you know, works pretty leaps and bounds above that, but the, the principle is still the same. And I think it's, it's fantastic uh, that that sort of thing exists. And so, uh, you know, the Libertine seven, it's, I mean, all the quantum processing you could want, uh, you know, plenty of Ram. I love it. And obviously now you can't go attaching that 100 Yotabyte DNA drive to it yet. Uh, but, <laughs> or at least if it did, uh, you know, I don't know that the solar panels on the outlet would be able to, you know, if that would hold up, but wow. I mean, the Libertine seven is beautiful and, and they went all the way. They went ahead with this, you know, 6.4 inch screen. Uh, it's, uh, just a beauty. Uh, and obviously I want to get, I want to grow my model in all black. <laughs> All right, what did you expect? So, yeah, good job on Rintech there. Uh, I think the the Authlets are, are certainly one of the things that that allows, you know, so many features, whether you want privacy or not, uh, you know, in Osiris One, uh, this beautiful floating city. It's your choice. In fact, you know, one of the best developments, I think, with Authlets, and this is actually specific to the Libertine 7, though I'm sure it'll come out for other models, too, is maybe and maybe it'll just come out with some kind of attachment. Uh, but attachment <laughs> but um because kind of like you know some people might remember way way back there was eh, way way back there was a show called earth final conflict and in that they had this device called a skrill that actually attached to your arm like it had these tendrils that could dig into your arm and the libertine seven can do that and I think that's fantastic. I mean, you never have to pull it out, you know, from your back pocket uh, or, you know, as so many do here, including myself, if you're going around nude, you know, you, you have nowhere to carry your offlet. So the Libertine 7, you know, really solved this by having a, a pretty non-invasive, uh, secure way just to, you know, I think they call it epidermal or it's like epidema attached. It's some crazy name. But anyway, it attaches to your to your epidermis, to your skin layer, you know, and doesn't go really any deeper. And I think that's great. So just an awesome, you know, a whole slew of great new features on it. Uh, in fact, I love how on the Libertine 7, actually, the skin of the Libertine 7 can can go right over the cameras, uh, which is just great. There's no I mean. <laughs> there's no way you're going to see anything through that. It's a completely opaque. It just goes right over and I love it. And then you can access it pretty quickly. Uh, you know, with a couple of flicks of, uh, some buttons anyway. So Libertine seven, keep your eyes out for that. And that, you know, Oh, 
God, the best feature on it is that now it actually has because past Libertine models from Rintech, you had to you had to attach a separate device that allowed you to connect to the V-cell transmission, uh, data transmission within the city. And now you can actually uh, it has V-cell built right in. So that that's a great improvement too to to not have to use a different device and it's backwards compatible all the way to P cell but uh, but putting in that V cell chip was was a nice nice job uh, I like that so you know it just makes it handy I mean you don't need to upgrade because of it hell you don't need to have to upgrade to anything <laughs> I mean it seems like everything gets made uh, pretty much backwards compatible these days but uh, anyway so check out the Libertine Seven so but getting into our next story which is actually going to lead. Uh, well, no, let, let's get, okay. I, I said, I wasn't going to do this because I think after a time it got kind of annoying and people thought I was being pretty arrogant, but I'm going to do it. When I said, I told you so (laughs) when I call something, baby, boy, do I call it. And I talked about this boy within the first two years of doing sovereign tech. I talked about the fact, I said, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, and I don't know what the whole deal is around uh, this business, but Venus is not yellow. The planet Venus is not yellow. It's blue, and its clouds are white. And, you know, there was all this talk about, oh, well, you know, the, uh, the, the, grav- uh, you know, the atmospheric pressure on the planet is like 92 times that of earth. There's just carbon. There's like 96% carbon dioxide, uh, in, in the atmosphere, the clouds are sulfuric acid. It's this terrible thing. And, you know, Venera nine, that Russian, uh, probe that was sent there, uh, Venera nine lands. I think Venera 10 ended around, landed around the same time. This is in 1975. And they get us, they get a picture of the surface of Venus and it's dry. It looks like some kind of desert. I mean, just a, just an absolute wasteland. Okay. And, but I said, I was like, you know, it's kind of weird. And again, I said this, God, over 80 years ago. Now I said, it's weird because the planets actually, as I understand it, the raw data says the planet's blue and it has white clouds and there's pictures of it. And and you can find uh, some of those pictures still on, on Gardnet. And so now today, finally, Thanks to Sargonian technology, which has allowed uh, a lot of us here at Osiris to develop space travel that's actually practical. Thanks to that, we've the Proudhon X, just a beautiful, beautiful spaceship, has finally arrived at Venus and has landed on the surface. And guess what? It's just a little warmer than Earth. That's the data we're already getting back. Is that when they landed, it just looked like it, it kind of looked like uh, <laughs> it looked like Florida. You know, it was just kind of swampy uh, quite a bit over lots of areas. And there was still water. There's still lakes, all this. You know, I mean, t- talk about talk about a conspiracy theory, right? That takes a while to debunk. And it's funny because science fiction authors, especially in the early part of the 20th century, were constantly talking about how, oh, yeah, no, no, it's, you know, Venus is totally habitable. It just it spins backwards. But otherwise, it's exactly like Earth. It's still inside of a Goldilocks zone. It's our sister planet, et cetera, et cetera. And and they would tell, you know, the, the pirates of Venus and, you know, all these other various stories that would just more or less make Venus, you know, seem to be, uh you know, just a hotter version of Earth. And lo and behold, that's exactly what it is. 
Sky's blue, the whole business. It's amazing. Yeah, hey, <laughs> good thing uh, that U.S. government doesn't necessarily exist anymore. Not that, not that all governments have gone away yet, but amazing. So anyway, uh, kudos to the crew of the Prudon X. Uh, I imagine they're breaking out uh, the bathing suits, if they're even bothering with such things. <laughs> Uh, really looking forward to hear a lot more of the data and a lot more of what goes on uh, there. So kudos to, again, to the crew of Perdonex on Venus. Nice work. We're looking out for you. Love it. Uh, so now let's get into the main story that is, go- or let's get into uh, the last story of Random Access that is going to get into our main story. And this has to do with something that, well, I know I said I wasn't going to do it, but I'm doing it again. Something I called the Apple Bank. I know, banks are ridiculous. Who even thinks about that here? Uh, <laughs> but Apple created a bank, and they did so. Boy, that was about, yeah, speaking of 80 years ago, yeah, about 80 years ago, they pulled that, they pulled that stunt, uh, which wasn't very much unlike Mitsubishi in the 1950s, where they were originally a bank and then became an electronics company. Apple just did it in reverse. And as far as banks go, certainly it was the most successful of its time. But it just goes to show that bad ideas you know, uh, eventually can't survive. Uh, but, you know, admittedly, as much as I want to rejoice in the falling of another bank, it did fall and it pretty much just got subsumed, more or less. The entire payment processing uh, end of it got subsumed by that blockchain and you know which one i'm talking about that is ominous now the the ominous blockchain of course had a different name and it started getting developed in 2014 uh has really been very disconcerting uh, because it is you know and it's something i talked about uh if some people remember a long long time ago i gave a talk uh, about what was essentially Bitcoin 2.0, which, of course, you know, Bitcoin, uh, that that fell ominous eventually. And I, I don't remember exactly when. I'm, please, I'm catching up on history here, folks. OK, <laughs> this ain't my time, baby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, ominous is pretty shockingly aptly named uh, when they changed the name to ominous. I think that people might might should have taken notice but then they were counting on on other companies you know to to handle things and i think a lot of people were counting on apple to kind of keep their uh, independence in in the industry which i mean they certainly had an excellent hardware stronghold even though a lot of their software went to shit uh but i mean it's, it's what happens. So Ominous, you know, has subsumed the last thing that Apple had going for it, which was its bank. And now it is really, again, it's disconcerting because as best we can tell, I mean, people, you know, it, it controls such a large army of drones, Walker robots. I mean, it just it has this incredible robotic army. And anybody that pretty much tries to leave Ominous you know, and, and the areas that it controls are, are just wiped out. I mean, because, you know, they're all tagged. They've gotten the they got a chip put on on their hand. I mean, they're, they're totally traceable. They'd have to carve that out. But when they go to carve that out, the the chip in their hand knows what's going on. OK. And I mean, and it's amazing to think about people willfully wanted this. They were putting NFC in their hand. I mean, this is right from the beginning. This is back in 2014 when this all started. It wasn't like. 
Yeah, I mean, people are just, yeah, oh yeah, I, I want to, this is secure for me. I want to put this stuff in my skin, like literally underneath my skin and I, you know, to where I can't safely take it off or whichever. I mean, <laughs> wow, but they did this. And so because of that, uh, you know, now they are completely tracked and controlled and they're, they're pretty much not allowed to, to leave. And as far as we can tell, even though, you know, if you go and search, and we're going to talk about ways to search into these, uh, you know, into these various nets and various networks, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't know that these people have pretty much no autonomy whatsoever because the blockchain has pretty much, you know, taken over everything they do. I mean, it's crazy. The blockchain even controls more or less the land. And if you disagree with it, well, too bad. We've got a robot for you. So ominous is incredibly disconcerting. Uh, I mean, and, and again, I don't think people realize this. I mean, this is Big Brother. You know, some people talk about, I mean, it's cliche now, uh, but 1984, I mean, ominous is 19, beyond 1984. I mean, there's nothing that isn't attached to the blockchain there, even in homes. Okay. Uh, you know, where, where IBM's uh, add up technology got, you know, pretty much swallowed into the ominous blockchain and, you know, homes. I mean, you can't, if ominous doesn't want you to go outside of your house, it locks your door. Yes. They put chips in the doors. Okay. If you know, you didn't pay your bills and whatever, uh, because they're still using money. Uh, if they didn't pay their bills, then ominous is going to, you know, shut off even the lights in your house because yes, they put chips in the light bulbs. And it's so funny because people were like, this is so cool. I remember hearing people say this back then, even in 2014, they're like, oh yeah, this is great. And now they're, I mean, it's, it's worse than a police state because there's not even a human to negotiate with the blockchains, you know, doing it all. So very disconcerting about what's happening that, you know, with, with that. And, and some people don't even realize it. I mean, I've heard, believe me. Okay. I've done some looking into this myself since I've been here and I've seen the vids where children are telling their parents, no mommy, the blockchain says you can't do that. Can you believe it? I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's, I want to talk about a couple other companies here too, but, uh, I shouldn't call them companies. I want to talk about a couple other countries. That's really what they are. Nation states. But I remember when blockchain technology was like, we just, you know, everybody saw this. So many people on earth just saw it as, you know, didn't matter what country, because there was tons of nation states back then. Uh, you know, they, they thought this was just revolutionary. This was the future. This was going to set us all free. And certainly, you know, blockchain technology has done a lot of good. There's no doubt about it. And it definitely led the way for future things, but it was a stepping stone that was never meant to go much further than being uh, a stepping stone. You know, it's like, it's like vacuum tubes, right? It's like, yeah, we're, we're just, we're trying to get to transistors. Okay. <laughs> It doesn't mean you want to stick with vacuum tubes, even though vacuum tubes actually to this day probably still produce the best audio. Uh, but that's, you know, a one trick pony out of that technology. Uh, but instead, what happens when you apply something like that to everything? Well, the ominous blockchain is uh, is really representative of that. But of course, to some degree, it has competition. Uh, and that is with the independent bit nations. Uh, and honestly, in my opinion, this is amazing. Okay. Uh, because these bit nations 
which also started around the same time, 2014, 2015, they really think that somehow they're, I mean, and, and they're controlling not as many robots, you know, not as, as many drones and, you know, various, uh, you know, like tank droids and all that stuff. They, they think that somehow it's so funny because they're just like, well, our blockchain's better than their blockchain. You know, they don't and maybe they don't know. Maybe, you know, I'm not sure how it's going there, but I mean, they don't even seem to realize just what Ominous is doing. And yet they're still counting on their blockchains to somehow save them from perhaps, you know, what, what's going on there. Inside of Ominous's territory. This is it's humans and their their kludgy brains. It's amazing. They can see right in front of their face that something in principle even in action is ruining their freedom and their lives and their ability to control their own destinies. And yet they're just begging for the same thing, just with perhaps a different color on it. It's remarkable. So I consider it personally just a matter of time before ominous, uh, you know, more or less for lack of a better word, consumes uh, all of these bit nations. Really, I, I can't I can't see them lasting long. I mean, you can have the best developers and coders in the world, but Ominous, as some have theorized, has, you know, more or less become, a, you know, a real legitimate singularity AI. I mean, that's the theory, you know, under some definitions, it's already an AI, but then that word's been, you know, tossed around. I mean, I remember back in, you know, back in the in the 20th century, you had video games and they're like, oh, yeah, the game AI is great. And it's like, well, that's not exactly what we call AI today. And certainly, you know, ominous is leaps and bounds beyond that. But it's just a matter of time. So what's really, you know, what is really the only competition that I see down there as far as, you know, anybody's chances at any kind of actual freedom aside from from getting to Osiris one? Well, there's the Amazon Entente. And of course, Amazon, that is, uh, you know, everybody famously knows uh, decades ago, bought Google, bought out Microsoft and then started creating, you know, pretty much followed a lot of Larry Page's plans, just kind of put a, a real ugly twist on it and created, you know, what was originally supposed to be Google cities. But then it ended up being Amazon cities and eventually Amazon countries, Amazon nation states. And more or less anywhere that isn't a part of the Commonwealth, and I guarantee you that the Commonwealth, which is more or less the last vestige of government on the planet, even though clearly this shows that sometimes these companies can be just as controlling as e and, and as evil as government. And maybe you should call them government because like Ominous has, uh, you know, clearly has a monopoly on the use of force, which is the definition of government. And Amazon would seem to have the same thing just kind of in a different way, because more or less when they came out with their uh, nano fire nanobots and they were able to pretty much make everybody, you know, g give everybody everything they've more or less ever wanted, but then charged, you know, after, after giving people this great life, everybody was looking like supermodels. Uh, everybody was, you know, I mean, it, it looked like a, you know, GQ magazine, Pretty much anywhere that that people bought, you know, the uh, the 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 fire nanobots. But then days later. 
suddenly, you know, after everybody's living the high life, Amazon says, this is going to cost you $100 a day. I think it was $99 a day. But this is going to cost you $100 a day. And then everybody just flipped out. You know, and we're willing to do anything to keep the fire nanobots, you know, working for them and keeping them beautiful and giving them everything they want and, and all this high life and everything. So pretty much giving you all this joy without having to do any internal work. And they do anything for it. And, you know, I mean, people won't leave Amazon because they refuse to, you know, to get away from from such, you know, materialism gone so wrong. And so they're really controlling people, you know, just through that, through through amazingly through economic means. It's not even, you know, through the the, the control of uh, or the, the monopoly on violence. It's amazing. They're, they're just controlling people through their desires because people have I mean, nobody down there really has intrinsic desire. It's all they're all basing everything they want on extrinsic on what other people think. Pretty twisted. Uh, it's it's ugly down there. So anyway, more coming up live from Osiris One. It is time for Tech Roulette, where I cover the stories that you send to me through the various channels available. Uh, you know, any stories that get sent through the GuardNet, some that get sent to open air through vCell. I can get it, get you right on my offlet, baby, and I receive every message you send. I love it. And again, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> it's all, you know, you, you can choose to not be anonymous with sending it to me, but you can send me, uh, you know, all those anonymous messages. And believe me, I am not interested in all in knowing who you are, unless you want me to know, then I do want to know you. Uh, but I love all you, you know that. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so Tech Roulette is where I cover what you want me to talk about. And we've got a, kind of a couple stories here, or at least a couple stories that they're very relative to each other. Uh, they, uh, you know, it's applying to a lot of fears that a, a lot of people, a lot of denizens in the various permanent autonomous zones, not just Osiris One, uh, are really concerned about. And it, what it is, is that the idea that now, OK, for quite some time, OK, there have been organic computers. OK, organic computing is the standard. And, you know, quantum computing has done a wonderful job of, you know, along with quantum encryption, has done a great job of making things, you know, pretty much unbreakable on the software end. And I, I'm really excited about that because, believe me, back in the, in the 20th and 21st century, uh, software encryption was the real issue. That's not the issue anymore, uh, at least not those for those that live in various PASs, of course, permanent autonomous zones. Uh, or even TASs, if you live in a temporary autonomous zone, you know, good for you. Uh, <laughs> believe me, the world needs those. So, so the, all right, so the concern is, is that, you know, again, software encryption Software, you know, getting viruses, malware, you may have heard those terms. I've talked about them on Sovereign Tech over the years. Uh, take your pick. They, they're not a problem anymore. Okay. But, and that's only on software, though. 
is the concern is that now because we have organic computers is that groups like the Amazon Entente or the Commonwealth uh, or, you know, even ominous, and I imagine ominous would probably be the, the, the most uh, capable of doing this, is figuring out ways to actually infect the hardware, just like, you know, getting the what used to be the common cold. So that's the concern. And I get it. OK, I really do get it. And apparently the first story to come out of a Paz was uh, someone had a Jaguar three, which is an awesome laptop. I, l- I use a Jaguar three myself. Huge fan. Okay. <laughs> I mean, really, because the thing runs really cool. I mean, like super cool, uh, especially considering, I mean, generally like they have to run at a pretty, pretty hot interior temperature, you know, organic computers. I mean, we're talking about living things here. You know, not sentient things per se, but we're talking about, you know, more or less something that you would call uh, alive or like we call it organic computers. And the Jaguar three, you know, this was the story is that somehow the thing at first wouldn't turn on. Okay, and so that was a concern. And so maybe he he just thought that, you know, the the battery was drained on it. And so he set it out, uh, you know, to to photo charge and, you know, put it outside and after a day, okay, it would turn on, no big deal. But then he noticed that there was a, a logging process going on on the Jaguar 3. And that that didn't make any sense, what was being logged. And what it was is the Jaguar 3 was actually logging. You know, it wasn't, the software wasn't cracked. Again, like I said, software is not an issue anymore. Look, we got this covered. Okay. <laughs> but... But it wasn't the software. It was logging some really funny actions that the Jaguar 3 itself was doing. And it seemed like, like I mentioned, the common cold, it seemed like the Jaguar 3 had a cold and it was running exceptionally slow and eventually got to the point to where he couldn't connect to GardenNet anymore with the device. And I mean, if, if you know, if we're not, <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously the Jaguar 3 is great when it's offline. You know, it can do that no problem. And like we mentioned earlier with, uh, you know, the new DNA drive that can actually, I mean, it's a hundred Yoda bytes, <laughs> you know, that's great. But when, you know, when you're doing various networking, you know, work with, with other people, uh, you know, or, you know, you're working on, on some kind of project, uh, you gotta be, you want to be able to connect to the garden net. So, and, and that's the thing is that you'd say to yourself, okay, well, just use an alternative. Don't connect to GardenNet. Just do like a straight V-cell connection. And I think that makes sense, you know, to go ahead and do that. But then when he tried to, to connect a V-cell, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't meld. The V-cell, yeah, the, the v, that was it. The V-cell device would not meld into the Jaguar 3. And so he knew something was up. And I mean, yeah, for lack of a better phrase, the thing was sputtering, you know, and it just wasn't doing what it needed to. And so, you know, now sometimes you get some of the, you know, sometimes uh, something happens when you're growing a new computer and, you know, or growing a new laptop or whatever device you have. And sometimes things go wrong. You know, there's just there's a little screwy bit of business and it's no big deal. You just grow another one. Uh, but the concern was is that this was from a pretty high profile firm. That, you know, really guarantees, you know, it has, has quite a, uh, you know, they, they keep up their own bit of reputation that, you know, our devices don't fail. And so, the, obviously, the person took the Jaguar 3 to that farm. And I won't, I won't name any names, okay? Took it to that farm. 
and asked for another and then ended up the farm. The farm was testing all of their, you know, pretty much everyone, every one of their Jaguar threes that they were growing at the time. And granted, you know, Jaguar three, I mean, you have those grown, you know, inside of like a week. I mean, <laughs> it's the proverbial pop poplar, you know, so but they were testing them and suddenly all of them could not. They, it was the same problem to where they'd be running slow, the logging process would start, and then next thing you know, it couldn't, you know, it wasn't able to connect to GuardNet, it wasn't able to connect to anything, and then trying to, you know, meld any other device with it, and it wouldn't connect. It wouldn't accept it at all. And so this is, this is the concern going around. Now, myself, okay, I think that, I mean, it's just a bad batch. You know, that that's that's not that's not unheard of. OK, I mean, this, you know, a lot of organic technology is still a pretty new field. Fortunately, since we, you know, recently uh, or well, recently, 10 years ago, <laughs> it's recently for me to find out about it. OK, but 10 years ago, uh, since, you know, really the advent of Sargonian technology uh, that was discovered in Egypt in the Hall of Knowledge. You know, I mean, this these problems are, you know, <laughs> getting skirted by very quickly. But, you know, it, it's 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 new. So I just I just think it's a bad bitch. That's the thing. But there's a lot of people. This is the point I want to get to. There are a lot of people that are very concerned and are rallying for the idea. And I can personally speak to how maybe this isn't the best thing to do, but they are rallying to go to open source silicon hardware. No more growing computers they want to have factories again. They want to, you know, have all this kind of production stuff. And, you know, I get the concern. And believe me, I'm one of those guys that is always, you know, looking out for, you know, what could go wrong. I know I'm, I'm an optimist. OK, but I'm certainly, you know, trying to keep keenly aware of future problems, especially with my duties at Rintech now. But, you know, <laughs> the idea of going back to silicon based hardware. Come on. <laughs> what the hell are you thinking? Do you have any idea what that did to not only people's lives? And it's like, well, they had a job, didn't they? And it's like, no, you know, the degree on a level now granted. Okay. In the various passes, there aren't, there aren't that many people to where, you know, you'd, you'd have the, this, this insane, you know, factory shift work that, you know, that, and you might not even know the words coming out of my mouth here. Okay. But you might not have, you know, these, these really like disastrous, um, you know, work, not, not just work conditions, but like the, the amount of time it took to develop a lot of the stuff in the first place. Uh, because keep in mind. Now, some people try to kind of go a middle road with this idea of going back to silicon-based architecture, okay, in which, I mean, silicon-based architecture, all that, is, it, that's, that's, you know, classic, you know, like Intel, AMD processors on a motherboard, you know, the, the, the good old-fashioned Pentiums, all that stuff. That's what these people are talking about. But, of course, doing it to, you know, quantum level, which, granted, without organic cooling, I don't know how exactly... Okay, you're going to even be able to run something at a quantum level. That I mean, that's just that that's mind boggling to me. Okay, but anyway, they th there were some people that said, "How about this? How about instead you have you know we'll just we'll des we'll grow machines that can build these for us." And then they said they didn't even trust the organic machines that would get built. Now, 
like I said, believe me, I can understand paranoia. Okay, we were talking earlier about the ominous blockchain. Believe me, I had paranoia about that, and look what happened. Okay, <laughs> but I think I think this is going a little too far. I mean, the the degree to which you can look into, and I know they want open source uh, silicon heart silicon based hardware. Okay, but the degree to which you can look into what's going on with, and the degree to which you can understand, because it's not that far different from how you personally operate. Okay, we don't, you know, there's not that many, you don't need entire fields, new fields of study to understand how this exactly works with organic computing. But the, the degree to, to which you can understand that, I mean, I don't, I never, ever, and believe I used silicon-based hardware, you know, I used the good old-fashioned computers for so long. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I never could get into the nuts and bolts like I can with organic computers, like even the Jaguar 3. And the Jaguar 3 makes it easy. <laughs> I mean, half the reason we can find the problem is because of how well it actually logs itself. It's fantastic. So we have a lot of people that want to go back to, you know, more or less, they, they want a second or third or fourth. I don't know what number it'd be now, because obviously, you know, the Amazon Entente still, you know, relies heavily on, on industry. But they, they want another industrial revolution. In the permanent autonomous zones. I, my mind's blown. I don't understand. And I want to, for a while here, I want to discuss just what exactly, I mean, you know, the dangers of going back to that. Okay. Now, I don't want to get into, because this was a big deal, you know, back, uh, God, a hundred years ago, this was, you know, everybody, global warming, climate change and all this stuff, some of which, you know, might be relatively valid. OK, but the instant. All right. Just like when you get into. You know, when you get into farming and I'm not talking about, you know, farming technology, I'm talking about, you know, good, you know, agriculture. OK, or as we do, permaculture on uh, on Osiris one and on various other passes. You know, as long as you pay attention to the biodiversity in the area, as long as you pay attention to the ecological system around you, you're fine. But believe me, the instant you put down a factory, the instant you do that, and especially if you're not going to trust even, you know, growing the building that it's in, because, I mean, that's how far these people are going. I mean, this is real paranoia. You're killing biodiversity. I mean, you're just, you're, you're wiping it out and biodiversity is so key. You really, you have to understand the whole reason that so many of us live on the various floating cities is because that way we're not interrupting, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of what's going on on earth. Now, I mean, actually the main reason is to get away from ominous and Amazon uh, and the Commonwealth. But quite a bit of it is so that evolution can take its course. And here's part of the concern. OK, say you just built because, I mean, yes, you could build some of these new, you know, factories. can't believe I'm saying that, but <laughs> you can build some of these factories, you know, on, you know, on a floating city in any paths. There, there's room to do it. OK, you know, just change things up and it's fine. So certainly you could do that. But it's something that we're still studying now. 
Okay. And it was a pretty recent discovery back in the early 21st century. But it's something we're just discovering now is that there are a lot of microbes, a lot of various creatures that exist in certain areas of the atmosphere. There's the chance that even the floating cities are affecting those. And it's something that's being researched. I mean, look, if you want to do factories, I mean, obviously, we were talking about Proudhon X and, you know, how it's doing uh, on Venus. Now, fortunately, it landed on a planet that doesn't necessarily need terraforming of any kind. OK, uh, but I imagine, you know, another ship could get grown and you could go to Mars and there to do a degree of terraforming. You would want some kind of a factory, perhaps. Now, that, I mean, that's theoretical, but there's something there. But then obviously, I understand people don't want to leave. You know, I get it not wanting to leave Osiris One or any of the other floating cities. It's a great life. But I think you're going to find very much interfering with that. So anyway, I, you know, again, I, I don't think we need to be going backwards as far as our production models go. And we certainly don't need to be going backwards uh, as far as technologies go, because I mean, there's there's times for that, but I don't think right now is that time, uh, especially when we're learning so much, uh, you know, and people are really allowed to thrive and, and artistically create so well, you know, intrinsically what they want. I mean, the designers at Rintec are amazing and they're doing what they, you know, what they want to do and what they love. <laughs> and boy, that Libertine 7, I am ready to go. But regardless, uh, this is I don't think this is a direction to go. Now, where exactly is this coming from? Let's say it actually was some kind of biovirus, which viruses used to all all be bioviruses. <laughs> and you used to say software virus instead. But now people are using the term virus to reference uh, our computers instead of the other way around, which is a bit of a mindfuck for me. But whatever. Uh, yeah, I could see ominous could have come up with such a thing. Maybe. I don't think that's that that's exactly what's going on. OK, and even if it is what's going on, regardless of who did it, uh, we're going to talk later on about some of the ways that the Commonwealth is actually breaking through uh, a lot of our technological advancements later in the show during HackSec. OK, but, you know, if, it, if it's the Commonwealth or if it's Amazon or whoever that, you know, that's breaking into the stuff, then you know, we do what what always gets done, innovate beyond it to keep it from happening. OK, the computers that the Pazes have, the Jaguar three, the Jaguar three alone. And that's kind of a low end. I mean, it's not. Well, it's not low end. OK, but I mean, this is, you know, a really, really powerful computer. It blows away anything else that, that anybody has. You know, it, even even in, you know, in the territories that are controlled by the ominous blockchain, uh, it doesn't even come close to the organic computers, uh, you know, that we've got. So I think we can pretty well nip this in the bud well ahead of time. You know, once once people get working on it and believe me, they're going to get working on it. <laughs> they're they're going to want to solve this. And I mean, certainly, you know, there's there's a lot of. Honestly, a lot of motivation, because obviously, if someone could crack into, uh, you know, put a virus into, uh, you know, our hardware, 
Well, I mean, then there's a chance that floating cities, you know, could could almost, you know, I mean, this is one of the, I suppose that's one of the dangers and why not? I'll, fine, I'll talk about it. One of the dangers is that the floating cities themselves could shut down and crash and, you know, who knows? Well, I mean, there's safety things put in place to keep it from crashing, but, uh, you know, this lifestyle could be over. And so I, you know, I would definitely trust, trust the geeks here. <laughs> in that I think they'll figure out what exactly is going on. Um, but I'm not seeing, I've yet to hear of any real, uh, you know, any data or anybody noticing anything that resembles, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, biological infection uh, in our organic computers and particularly in the Jaguar three line, because so far it's only come from one farm so far. So, and I haven't heard about it from any of the other passes. Uh, you know, any of the other cities, none of them had talked about that. Uh, there has been no reports. And boy, you think, I mean, if this was something really widespread, the one place that if I was, if I was the blockchain, the one place I'd want to infect would probably be the Proudhon X that was on its way to Venus. And, uh, you know, there, that's all been going, you know, swimmingly. So again, I, I don't see it as an issue and I don't see going back to, you know, silicon based hardware, uh, being, being the, the solution at all. Uh, it, it, it really isn't what it takes to make those devices. And I mean, I, I think we, okay. So you could probably get a lot of our battery technology to work pretty well, you know, with that older style of computer. I, I don't think that's unheard of. All right. There's some things that, that could work with it. But then at the same time, these people don't even want that. So then you're going to have to get into lithium production. There's so many things you're going to have to get into that are just completely unnecessary. You know, there's no reason to go there. I mean, if anything, I would say the better answer would be to, you know, just don't connect to GardNet. Don't connect to the to the cloud if you're like that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's it. And it's easy enough. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do, you, you know, just just cut it. Just cut the line, you know, to, to the V, uh, you know, if, or if it's, of course, the Jaguar 3 has, uh, you know, doesn't have V-cell built into it yet. Okay, but whatever, connect uh, all your wire or disk, you know, just cut the line that goes to all the uh, all the wireless connections. And you'll be fine. And, and, you know, just go offline. I mean, I, you know, I'm not against that. I, I get it. And it's to each their own. That's the beauty about living in a free society for once is, you know, you can kind of do it your way. But and, you know, maybe people will go ahead and, and build these, you know, build these factories to start doing silicon based hardware. Maybe there will be a demand for it. And if there is, well, then then that's that's how it goes. But I imagine also this is the other point, too, uh, that I didn't get to is that I think that if you are wanting to do that, people are probably going to want more or less their own platforms to build it on. So they're going to create other passes, uh, you know, other permanent autonomous zones that will, that will allow for the, or temporary, uh, though, believe me, factories are not temporary. <laughs> and, and, you know, they'll, they'll just start building from there. Maybe that's, that's how it'll go down. Or like I said, hell, you really can go to Mars. You know, that's the whole point. That's one of the real beauties of freedom that, as I understand it, that people discovered, uh, particularly ones that lived in the Shire and kudos to the ones that are still staying there I mean, <laughs> to, to live that close to ominous and Amazon. Woo. Woo. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can you can vote with your feet. And now this not just the sky is the limit, but, the you know, the solar system seems to be the limit and it does seem to be the limit. Uh, we still haven't figured out, uh, you know, even with uh, a lot of a lot of Sargon revelations that we've had recently, 
you know, we haven't figured out how to, <laughs> there's no faster than light necessarily going on. Uh, but, you know, other than, of course, time travel, but that, that that's a different story. So anyway, that's my thoughts on it. Uh, I, I think the Jaguar 3 is great. I think that the idea that somehow this is a, uh, a virus, uh, you know, a biovirus infecting these organic computers, uh, I really, I, I, I don't buy it. Uh, you know, but I mean, maybe it's something to look out for. I mean, you know, maybe upgrade your logging software to keep an eye on this sort of thing. So, but it's interesting because we had that software a bit licked, but maybe the hardware thing isn't now. I'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. segments of the show oh yes game of choice baby let's do it <laughs> oh man you know i i've taken this segment off and on but uh you know as as late as as i've understood things i mean man how could you not talk about games these days and and what a i mean what a fine line sometimes these things walk but you know video games are still a very important deal and uh one of the great <laughs> i'm also happy zombie offline games you know has kept on going uh but one of the best games really from a competitor uh that that i'm really excited about is macgyver unity Okay, and this is so good. You know, it, it's funny. This isn't. I'm not going to say I called this because I'm sure there was plenty of people that grew up when I grew up. You know, 1980s and 1990s. They were like, that'd be awesome if there was a MacGyver video game. And they made some like kind of puzzlers for smartphones. That that's like the precursor to the authlets. Like I said, uh, you know that that. I mean, they, they weren't really it, though. What we were wanting, what I think a lot of people were wanting, I was certainly wanting this, was I wanted a sandbox game, an open sandbox game where I could, you know, use literally anything around me to achieve the mission, you know, uh, the goals and, and, and get through the missions in a game. And so, you know, and, and really, I mean, like I wanted to if I needed to, you know, blow a door open. I wanted to be able to use, you know, bubble gum and uh, a car battery, <laughs> you know, and shavings from the wall, you know, literally anything. And so it's so cool. I'm glad. I mean, this is the fifth. I, I think it's it the fifth, fourth or fifth. I think it's the fifth incarnation of the MacGyver video game series. And again, it's MacGyver Unity. And God, do they just keep getting better with this? <laughs> I mean. You know, I was playing it and I, I couldn't believe it. I literally, literally, I mean, there was this, okay, it's a chase scene. All right. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get away from the various, you know, the villain in the game and there's a car, this beautiful 85 Chrysler New Yorker. Okay. And I get into the car, no keys. And I could literally, <laughs> you got to understand. And I could do this with any car in the game. I tried doing it on more vehicles in the game. Because the game takes place in the 80s. I like that about Unity, that they didn't sometimes, like the first one, they kind of made it more modern. But anyway, I, I like it being in the 80s. It makes a lot more sense for a MacGyver game. And in that, like I could go underneath the steering column and I could actually pull out any of the wiring 
I mean, that's how good. I mean, I guess this is the beauty of having Yoda by hard drives, right? You know, I could literally, you know, everything was there that I remember uh, from when I was younger. And I could hotwire the car and start the car. This now, this, of course, was before there were serious computers in cars, which, of course, I've always said is, uh, you know, just a, a really a, a terrible idea uh, as far as vehicles go. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it was before we, you know, had a lot of the total control that we do over organic computing. Now, uh, this is back when you kind of had to trust the companies in, instead of you having, again, so much genetic control of what you're doing. And, but I could hotwire the car in the game and I got away. Oh, it's fantastic. It was so cool. And here's the real now spoiler alert. Okay. Total spoiler alert. Cause in the last mission of the game, there's a point where, I mean, it's like you and, and you're just in this, in this area in the middle of the city and you're more or less getting trapped. I mean, and there's just like, there's seemingly nowhere to go, you know, crazy alleyway and behind you out of nowhere comes kit. Yeah. That kit night industries, 2000 comes pulling up with Michael Knight in the driver's seat and says, hop in. <laughs> I was just, I was like, yeah, baby, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you just, you run back, you hop into kit and you start driving. And then, you know, there's that, this area where it's all blockaded off. Uh, the police have got it all blocked because they're all bought off, um, you know, by the various villains. And of course, the villains are working for the government anyway. But, <laughs> and, you know, you get to do the turbo boost right over the blockade. Oh, man, it was smooth. I mean, <laughs> you know, not, not that TV watching's like, you know, a big pastime uh, in Osiris one, I know, but for me, that was really cool. And obviously there's a lot of people, you know, the, the devs over there, they, they really thought it was cool too. So, and, and they obviously, uh, they, they really appealed to what I was wanting. Uh, obviously they were wanting it too. Uh, and it, it was just, it was great. And I mean, the music's there, you know, and obviously the graphics are incredibly lifelike. Uh, they did a great job. Like Hasselhoff looks incredibly real. Uh, I was really impressed. Uh, and especially if you play it in VR, I mean, you can play it in 2D, but on VR, oh, that was nuts. <laughs> anyway, try it out. MacGyver Unity. Uh, they just keep getting better. I'll be back with more. Behind the wall of history, there is a story that has never been told. A story of a world that ended only to usher in the beginning of our own. This is a time that ancient tomes could only describe in metaphor. Prepare for the very first video game from Zomia Offline Games, Hypercronius. Hypercronius will allow you to experience a time beyond your imagination in a fully interactive 16-bit, two-dimensional role-playing experience. Hypercronius. Know the past, and you can know the future. From Zomia Offline Games. It is time for important messages, and oh yes, do we have a couple of doozies. 
And, uh, you know, of course, this is a segment where you can literally you can ask me anything. It does not have to be tech related, uh, even though we've had great tech stories this week. Some very disconcerting, you know, the chance that perhaps organic hardware uh, can get infected, you know, as to where software used to be the problem. Now, that's not an issue anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's it's disconcerting. And, of course, we're going to talk about some software later on because uh, the new Guard OS looks amazing. So, anyway, important messages. Let's do this. Um, Are you, you know, first of all, love the show. Great to have you in 2099, yada, 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 all all the good stuff. And, yes, it's it's great to be here, too. Uh, (laughs) So, but uh, the question more or less is, and I've gotten this from quite a few people, and, again, when you email me, if... I mean, a lot of people ask a similar question. I'm not going to read like, you know, I won't read every one. Uh, that's why I kind of say the yada, yada, yada. That's how I've always done things on Sovereign Tech for as long as I've been doing it. Um, but the the bottom line question is, is how are you enjoying life on the floating city of Osiris one? And then I've got another question I want to be able to get into that has to do with uh, Organet for infrastructure. Uh, I'm loving it. <laughs> this is great. Who knew? Uh, I had I had no idea. I'll admit I was incredibly pessimistic and I still understand people continued pessimism at times, you know, even how we live now. But uh, I was incredibly pessimistic in the early part of the 21st century, you know, before I came here and I was concerned, you know, yeah, the future is just going to suck ass. And certainly for a lot of people, it does. Uh, you know, it, it's very disconcerting and we'll talk more about this during HackSec. It's very disconcerting what's happening in, in Commonwealth states. Uh, it's very disconcerting what's happening with the Amazon, Amazon and Tant. It's very disconcerting what's happening with the ominous blockchain. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really worried about these things, but as far as life on Osiris one, and I really haven't had time to go to any of the other passes, but, um, you know, any of the other zones, but it's great here. <laughs> so, I mean, the idea of, you know, the fact I can walk around naked all the time, uh, people, I mean, it's, it's really, it's incredible because, you know, I've gone over friends' houses and obviously people are just, you know, I mean, a lot of people are, are living, you know, together in various houses and whatever. And, you know, I just walk in the room and, you know, over to the side, there's just, you know, people stooping and, you know, then over here, people are, you know, watching an episode of Babylon five, you know, that, that classic, which boy, if you've never seen that, please, please do catch that. Uh, you know, it's great. <laughs> I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be happier seeing that sort of thing. Um, I love organic technology is so cool. Uh, the idea of the authlet is something that I've talked about you know, you know, is an answer to things I talked about many times because, you know, I felt like one of the things, especially when blockchain technology was really getting developed early on in the 21st century, the, or in, I guess I could say the aughts in the aughts, (laughs) there was the wanting to attach identity, uh, you know, to, to what you had as to where when like Bitcoin was initially created, all you had was, um, you know, you had an address and that was it. But anybody could use that address if you wanted them to, you know, you, and you could do multi-sig and all these sorts of things. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it was it was very little different from a safe. OK, when you think of an old fashioned uh, safe, which some people still use, I've seen them around in Osiris one. Uh, there's a safe where, you know, all you there's like a knob on it and you have to know the code to to, to open up the little door on the safe. 
And that, you know, I thought I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, because it's not really attaching it to you. You just happen to know that string of numbers much like, you know, you would with, uh, you know, with a Bitcoin address, but your ID isn't attached to it. You know, and in fact, the only thing that says it's yours is because, you know, it's in your your domicile, you know, it, it's part of your denizenship, you know, or in the case of, you know, say various things that, you know, various codes, passwords, you know, security features. I mean, that's what the authlet really answers without having some kind of ID. My authlet is, you know, a part of me, but it's not giving out any information, any metadata whatsoever. Okay, and so it's secure based upon a string of numbers, but it's not secure based upon the fact other than it's in, you know, it's in my possession. Okay, that's really it's, you know, more or less it's only security, which is, you know, I mean, also it has a security because that's how, again, that's how this, you know, squirrel on steroids, this SQRL on steroids works as far as connecting to, uh, you know, to, to the GuardNet is that you just have that string of numbers that, yes, one could call it an identifier. Okay, but that's all it is. It's an identifier. It's just a code that lets you access that info. It is not any inform. It is not giving up information that says, you know, necessarily that you are you. Okay, and it's a wonderful technology that, you know, that that, that the authlets allow for that to happen. I really like that. I mean, and it feels like real freedom that nobody is asking for papers. Now, that's that's a, you know, (laughs) That's like a a joking phrase these days. Papers, please. Papers, papers. But it comes from a very serious time where people had to have identification. They had to verify who and what they were, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that's just that's that's really not necessary anymore on Osiris, uh, you know, or on any in any of the zones. It's it's really I love it. I love the authlet. What a great technology, you know, security without you know, identification information, just just, you know, authorization or authentication, not authorization, but authentication, uh, you know, randomizing technology. Great stuff. So that's cool. <laughs> I totally dig that. Um, I also love the fact of, you know, really the there's still, you know, speaking of security, the sense of security, because. You know, I remember in 2014, they were talking about laser weapons, and I know the Commonwealth is still using them pretty heavily these days, and they've only gotten far more uh, vicious, far more capable, far more deadly. Uh, And it's wonderful to, you know, be living with shield technology. Uh, There's such a comfort, and and I can't can't express this enough. I don't think, you know, some of the people uh, that have been born more recently, though not everybody, doesn't know, they don't remember what it was like before when, you know, when we talk about the monopoly on violence, you know, in the zones, you know, anybody that's a denizen of the zones, they don't, they don't have to worry about the violence. You know, you just, you, you go to your field, you, you know, you just press a a couple of buttons on your field watch and boom, you've got a personal force field around you. There's no violence to be done to you. It's, it's fantastic. And to have people that just seem to have, you know, this, this general, I mean, it's almost, it's almost like homo empathicus, you know, where people just have this, this empathy and understanding. It is so wonderful to be around people that get it, that respect each other. And they respect each other out of enlightened self-interest, out of their own intrinsic motivations. They respect, I mean, it's not the golden rule because there is no golden rule. Okay. But they just, you know, it is in a very real sense, treating others how you want to be treated. It's amazing to be around that 
So I, I love that aspect of it. Uh, you know, in being in, I used to talk so bad about, or not, I didn't talk bad, but I wasn't a fan of, of cities, but to be in a city like Osiris one, I mean, there's just so much greenery, uh, and some of the farms, everything's just beautiful. Everything's interacting very well with each other. Uh, it's, it's really something. And the fact that, you know, that people can, you know, within the platform, Okay, that people have agreed upon. And if they don't want to be on the platform anymore, they can go to another platform or build their own. You know, they can grow their own. Uh, You know, it's fantastic (laughs) Uh, because you have that that just that genuine freedom. And it's so nice, you know, to again, I mean, this is to see that post scarcity kind of happen. Now, granted, if this technology I mean, I think this technology, the idea, you know, uh, like Sargonian technology or the fact that, you know, we can grow most of our needs, uh, you know, using and, and interconnect everything, you know, electricity is connected through bacteria and whatever, all of that, which is just fantastic in the way we're networked so openly. I mean, there really is, you know, no real scarcity. And I think even if and, and, and again, we'll talk more about this during HackSec, about getting technology down to people that are in the Amazon and Taunton uh, and and in the Commonwealth, it's very difficult to get anything through to, through the blockchain. Uh, you know, it's, it's really, maybe it could solve it for everybody. I'm, I'm not entirely certain, but, uh, but you know, on Osiris one, it's, it's working and it's not like, you know, as I understand it, when, when the permanent autonomous zones were getting developed, uh, I mean, granted to some degree, they had to keep some secrecy, but there would be festivals held that would have people, you know, get together and more or less invite them to be a part of this way of life. And they didn't want it. And so if they don't want it, then, you know, that's not elitism. They just don't want it. That, you know, that's not elitism on the part of the people that created the zones. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, there it is. If you don't want it, you don't want it. But, you know, now there are people who have, you know, to some degree found out. I mean, of course, that's the other nice thing. Not just the fact that like laser weapons and whatever else, you know, various, uh, you know, killing machines, essentially that, you know, the ominous blockchain and others, you know, would launch against uh, the various zones, various cities like, uh, you know, like Osiris One. I mean, the field protects from any of that, but also, you know, the fact that the city can just cloak and it's gone and it can be somewhere else in no time. Uh, I, I think that's fantastic. And now, now that we're talking about, you know, colonizing other planets like Venus. Oh, man, <laughs> I, how could I not love life here? <laughs> so, I mean, and plenty of food to go around, uh, you know, very well designed food that that gives you, you know, all those uh, nutrients that, uh, you know, th- that were sorely lacking. I got to tell you, in, in the aughts and even before, like in, in the 1990s. You can't imagine the kind of food that was that was being made. And it was food that wasn't paying any attention to biology. It wasn't paying any attention to what the human body actually needs. Uh, but, you know, it was just like, OK, how can we make something that's edible and maybe we can just like inject some vitamin C into it or something, you know. And uh, that that's great that now, you know, there's foods in all shapes and sizes and whatever that that grows daily. Uh, you know, especially on Osiris one, which as far as I understand, you know, has, has particularly well done, uh, you know, farming techniques in, in that regard. Uh, it was one of the first, as I understand it, Osiris one was one of the first floating cities that really got that permaculture down as to where they got away from, uh, from the various like different rationing things. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't there. I don't remember, uh, you know, how all that exactly worked, 
But, uh, but I mean, this is, this is fantastic. And, uh, you know, just the, the overall sense of love that you feel just walking around, you know, people are just so aware. Uh, it's, it's really something. And even, you know, there's, there's areas where, where you can experience the, the raw climate, you know, I, I mean, because if there wasn't a degree of climate control, uh, in the floating cities, I mean, obviously everybody would be, you know, freezing pretty good <laughs> because it, it's pretty high up. And <laughs> so, but I mean, there's areas where you can go and experience that. Uh, I have not, you know, I, I've stepped out into those areas, but I have not, uh, you know, done any of the, the skydiving that some people have gotten into. And, you know, and of course they, they generally don't care to often, you know, wherever they care to land, they usually stay pretty far away from, uh, most of the, you know, like, like Am- the Amazon areas, the Commonwealth and, and the blockchain. Uh, but I mean, that that's cool. I, I'm definitely open to trying that stuff out. Uh, the fact that, and this is the beautiful thing, too. You know, I, I want to get back to the, you know, having the field watch where you can just turn on this personal force field around you. Uh, you know, one of one of the concerns that I had, you know, uh, might as well be about 100 years ago, <laughs> about, you know, maybe 80 might be better, was that, you know, people just seem to be like so obsessed with the way that they wanted to defend themselves and I think even if they had force field technology, they still would have wanted to have, you know, not defensive force, but offensive force to defend themselves. They'd still want guns. Okay. Now we know what guns are because you see them on vids and, you know, in various search, uh, searches that you bring up that happened on other areas on the planet. Okay. But I mean, they're unheard of. They're unheard of in the cities, in the floating cities. And it's so beautiful. You know, I mean, that's not to say that that, you know, everybody's acting nice, nice. Um, I've you know, I've seen some some physicality break out at times, but often, you know, it was, you know, it was ended in a very non-lethal fashion. And very quickly at that, I mean, people are very skilled at defending themselves on Osiris one, I have to say. okay, but the fact that no one's interested in taking another person's life is just it's phenomenal. And to not see guns on, I mean, because that was the thing that was one of the big things is that, oh, well, in a what they used to call a libertarian society, you know, what we know as 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 passes or, uh, you know, maybe some would still want to call it an anarchist society. People would say, well, yeah, you know, a polite society is an armed society. And I always said, no, an intrinsically motivated society is a polite society. And this is proof of that. You know, but I, that's the thing is that, you know, the, the future in a, in a libertarian paradise was supposed to be guns everywhere to make sure that you were not infringed upon. I will take your life. That was the threat as to where the threat with a force field. There is no threat. That's the point. There's no threat at all. It's just, OK, yeah. What do you come at me, bro? What are you going to do? You can't do anything. So, you know, it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal technology. It it really is. Um, and depending on, and I mean, of course that depends on a lot of, you know, the hardness level of the force field, uh, because if you want to stop completely physical, uh, attacks, you have to, you know, bring the hardness to where pretty much, you know, the force field's completely opaque and you really can't move much, but it definitely, you know, <laughs> your force field is going to more or less, the field watch is going to last forever. So, <laughs> I mean, that that's that's phenomenal. Uh, in fact, that's really impressive technology. The fact that the field watch battery 
Uh, I mean, that's more or less, that's all it is, is a battery. And it's just storing, you know, so much all the time uh, that, I mean, it could last, you know, weeks, months, hell, it might even last years. I don't think anyone's ever tested it. Anyway, uh, so loving life on Osiris one, you know, it's, it's really something. So, but let's get into, I, I, the second question I want to get into uh, if I can quickly, and that is uh, a good question. This is a security issue. Are man-in-the-middle attacks still possible on the networks using uh, Organet 4 for infrastructure? Okay, so let's get into that. Because now Organet is, of course, that's the, the network, that's the hard line that has been laid out. Okay, usually within, I mean, there's some areas on the, you know, on the planet's surface where they will, where this has been laid out for, you know, various uses for like a temporary autonomous zones and whatever else, or for agents down there. But in the permanent autonomous zones, pretty much any floating city, there's hardline and it's very easy to access to. You can just grow it to your machine. It's no big deal. you know, wherever you are. So it's definitely the fastest form of transmission. But what we found out was with Organet 3, Okay, and this is with the temporary autonomous zones down on the surface with Organet 3, we ominous, we're guessing it was ominous anyway, because it looked like more like, you know, something it acted like like it was blockchain technology where it actually injected a degree of, of nanobots that could receive and decrypt. Amazingly, it was also able to decrypt sufficiently some degree of metadata. Not the data itself, but the metadata, you know, where it was coming from, where it was going, all of that. That's that's what it could get. And that's a little scary, admittedly, because, you know, with quantum encryption, a lot of that's supposed to be solved, but apparently it may not have been. Okay, now there's a chance that this is Amazon, too. Amazon's obviously, you know, that's their whole their whole, you know, their their whole life is based, you know, based around nanotechnology. And. So with it was actually it was Organet two and then Organet three and both of those were cracked by somebody essentially you know with more or less with a scalpel like a surgeon injecting you know or or with a you know a needle injecting nanobots that could receive this info and was able to get it back out okay and so this was a man in the middle attack that happened with Organet three now Organet four is has as I understand it. You know, with and we're going to talk about Guard OS, the new version of Guard OS here in a minute. But Organet 4 allows a lot of better communication with, uh, you know, with T cell software. And so, with T cell software, as I understand it, can just wipe out, uh, you know, pretty much any, any nanobots that exist within, uh, you know, within the Organet structure itself. So as best as we know with Organet 4, and it's easy enough to upgrade. I mean, you know, it's just a new growth pattern. Uh, and I mean, because a lot of people will say, well, why can't we just, you know, make, uh, you know, make the Organet, you know, really, really like, like hard, you know, kind of like, a, like an exoskeleton onto it. And people have talked about that. The problem is, is that it's not as easy to redeploy upgrades to Organet, you know, upgrade growth patterns. And also the fact that, it wouldn't, it's, it's a lot harder for it to grow to, you'd have to kind of make ports, but then that defeats the purpose because you wouldn't be able to grow to your device. If you had a Jaguar three or even a Jaguar two or whatever that could handle Organet four, it wouldn't be able to grow to it. You know, the line, the hard line itself. So 
exoskeleton's not the best idea. But as I understand, you know, this pretty much this new T cell software uh, in GuardOS is going to solve the nanobot issue. So it was a real problem. These man in the middle attacks were possible, but apparently this will be solved. Of course, they said that about Organet 3, right? So we'll see. Uh, as it stands right now, yeah, just keep your eyes open with Organet 4. I'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. time for guard site of the week that's right sometimes you know sometimes the sites suck sometimes they're really great uh honestly i haven't seen any sites that really sucked unless it's like uh you know just a mimic from uh you know what used to be called websites uh but you know some people are into that you know what they're doing that for their guard sites or guard blogs or whatever but uh but this week's guard site of the week speaking of mimic is gov mimic Okay. And I put, there's a code in the show notes for you to access it. You know, you can just tap it with your authlet or uh, if you're on your Jaguar three, you know what software to use to do that. Uh, but with, with GovMimic search. Okay. This is, I mean, <laughs> this is so cool because what it allows for before. So, so before, you know, one of the biggest problems with organic computing is, is often the battery life that is required to run the quantum processor. Okay. And so, you know, you have, you have, you know, your full on uh, clients, and then you have what equates to what used to be called thin clients uh, decades ago. And with, you know, and those, those would be like guard books, which are, are really, really slick. <laughs> I love guard books and the guard books uh, that allows for with with GovMimic search, okay, on guard books before you couldn't run, okay, to get that great life that a guard book gives you because it's not a full client. Uh, that didn't allow you to run software that lets you go, you know, use a guard portal and access the networks on the surface, like to access the Intent network or to access a various BitNation. Uh, you know, blockchain or network or to, to, to attempt to access Ominous's network, uh, you know, or the Commonwealth's networks, which are usually pretty easy to get into even without special software anyway. But, um, you know, so, so that wasn't really easy to do on a guard book, but now with GovMimic, it's just, it's, it's a, you know, a guard portal that you can go through. It's just a net portal that will allow you to search all of those various blockchains and networks. Uh, and, and I don't know why this wasn't created before. Okay. I mean, well, I know why it wasn't created before, because before people were fine with, you know, just running basic, so you know, various software on a, you know, on a full client system, like a Jaguar two, uh, or even a Jaguar one, which Jaguar one's probably still the most popular computer out there. Uh, but anyway, you know, you're running on that and it's no big deal. You could access them. You, you know, you just, you, you power up. Uh, you know, you power up very soft, like, okay. Like one of the, one of the first, uh, pieces of software that allows, allowed for that was MeowNet, and MeowNet lets you access these different, uh, you know, these different, what we used to call DNS systems. It, you know, it allows you to, to access those different, you know, network phone books 
more or less. And so MeowNet was great, uh, and it's still used by a lot of people, but now you've got just this, you know, it's done right there, right in the OS. You know, the, the browser can do it on its own, and, you know, just go to GovMimic Search, and it will let you see all of that. And the other nice thing is, is that because this is something that used to be a real problem, was that the, you know, the, uh, the randomized address could get cracked with, you know, that where you were coming from could get cracked before when you're using MeowNet. It's nothing against MeowNet. It's just what was possible. But a lot of software has made it so that it is perfectly randomized, you know, access addresses to these portals. Um, and, and that's the great thing with, you know, uh, with, with GovMimic search, you can just go to, you can go through that guard portal and you get, you know, you're, you're randomized right out of that. And even if they could crack it, it would be coming from, you know, from, from the actual, from the guard site itself, from GovMimic search itself to access the rest of that. Okay. And so be, because essentially GovMimic search would act like an exit node as a, as a guard site itself, which boy, you know, I mean, back, back in the days of the big, bad internet, I mean, if websites could pull off this kind of thing, boy, that'd be, <laughs> you know, just through the website itself. But I mean, that's the beauty of being connected, uh, you know, to GuardNet in general is because there's no servers. Everything is, you know, more or less, you know, the, <laughs> the, the sand is sprinkled all over the box. Uh, and, and you, you know, you can't trace it back to one area at all. You know, there's only various access points, which is, is really cool. So I get, I got to give them credit. I'm still not exactly sure how they pulled this off with GovMimic search, but kudos to the developers of this guard site, because I mean, and you know, I don't blame people for not wanting to even see what gets put, especially like on the Commonwealth uh, networks. I don't even want to know. You know, I can only picture like people waving American flags or, uh, you know, you remember those uh, or what was uh, the the British, the Union Jack and all this stuff. And just seeing like all this crazy patriotism uh, that is such a a ridiculous fiction of the mind. You know, why anyone would want to see that? I don't know. But maybe you're just, you know, (laughs) maybe you're doing some kind of research, I'm guessing. But if you want to do research uh, on, you know, on the various, uh, you know, nation states on the surface, then please Go ahead and use our Gov, GovMimic search, and it works again. It works really great with guard books, so you're going to get that great battery life. Even though you know it's easy enough to charge a guard book, but you know just put it out for a photo charge. But still, this is great. I love it. GovMimic search. You can catch it in the show notes. It's that time, HackSec, baby, where we talk about hackers and security and, boy, who isn't a hacker in the passes these days? (laughs) But anyway, uh, you know, it's an old, it's one of the oldest sayings on Sovereign Tech, hackers are heroes, and to this day, even in 2099, it is still absolutely true. And the heroes I want to talk about this week are actually people that are, are doing something that, you know, I don't feel they have any moral obligation to do, but they do it and I applaud them 
for it. Uh, you know, earlier during uh, during important messages, I was saying how, you know, you had asked, how do I think about life on Osiris one? And the biggest thing for me was having, you know, well, not just the cloaking technology, but having force field technology, having the field watches. And these are really important. I think these are these are very, very key. I mean, I think people have, as I've seen in the various zones, you know, as I understand it, and the people certainly I've met on Osiris one, uh, you know, people are I, I really can't picture to where they would want to go to some you know crazy level of harm in the first place. So I would feel just fine not having a field watch as well. You know, even though there's that certainly that background comfort of it because it it stops state actors. And I, you know, I can't even remember where I've even and maybe it's happened in the past, maybe, you know, during some degree of of figuring things out on the floating cities. Uh, maybe there was there was problems where people had to use their field watches in the city itself. But I've rarely other than for kicks, I've never seen like where people are. There's that great game they play where they're actually like bouncing off of each other. I love that. <laughs> but. But other than that, I haven't really seen people, uh, you know, using using the field watch as a defense mechanism in the first place. Uh, most people try to just, you know, settle things out, be, be it through through talking or, you know, whichever. But uh, certainly if you're going to the surface or if you're ever, you know, traveling outside of um, outside of one of the zones or one of the floating cities. And certainly the people, you know, uh, again, I can't stop talking about them. The, you know, the Prudonex, the people that, that have, uh, have gone to, to Venus, I imagine who knows what they're going to run into. I mean, Christ, everything about the planet was alive before now, who knows what's there. So them having field technologies, you know, force field technologies are really big deal, uh, especially when it's accessible right on your wrist. So, you know, the, the concern is, is had and what people are doing is that they are wanting that freedom that comes from the fact that no one can hurt you. You know, that, that freedom that that and it's not a blanket excuse to do what you want. OK, because of the, the nature of the way the force fields work. OK, you know, eventually you're going to you would have to hold off so many people that you wouldn't be able to live and you'd starve probably with, with inside your own force field. OK, <laughs> so. But what what, uh, you know, what people have been doing, uh, various various denizens have been going down to the surface and they've been trying to give force field watches, you know, force field technology to, uh, you know, the the quote unquote citizens, even though that's a misnomer, but the citizens of the Amazon Entente and in Commonwealth countries. OK, and in the Amazon Entente, I mean, generally, most people have stopped trying to, to do it there. Uh, it, it's such a mess. I mean, you try to offer somebody a new technology and they, they you know, they're just so vain. They, they kind of laugh at you that, that you would have something that they would need that that Amazon doesn't provide for them. Uh, but the you know, it, in the Commonwealth, very popular. You know, people are dying for this stuff. And those are those are some of the areas, including some of the bit nations, too. Uh, but once a once a blockchain, you know, kind of detects uh, that that being done, because I mean, most of these blockchains are connected to this gigantic surveillance system anyway, uh, which was, you know, put in design in the early aughts or not, not in the aughts, uh, I should say in the teens, in the 20 teens, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's not going to work, but in the Commonwealth, it's a lot more, it's easier to do. Okay. And so a lot of people have been trying to essentially bring down the Commonwealth by giving force field technology to, uh, you know, you know I don't want to say insurgents, but to rebellious types, 
down there. You know, maybe people that will, that want to be anarchists and they just they can't get away. They don't want to leave their family, whatever the case may be, that they don't want to come to uh, to one of the zones, be it a temporary one even or a permanent autonomous zone. Why they don't want to do that, you know, that's up to them. So but what's happening is, is that the Commonwealth and, you know, this is amazing on their part. The Commonwealth has figured out a lot of ways to get through um, force field technology. And one of the easiest things, of course, is the bow and arrow. And this is important. This is why it's good to study, even though I know I said earlier how we don't want to go back to silicon-based computers. Okay. You know, it's important to study older technology. Okay. Because you might find that it could, you know, it could be a real issue with, you know, uh, some kind of high tech thing. Like there could be this really old, you know, it's the classic Star Wars, uh, you know, trick where <laughs> there's this just this one damn porthole on the Death Star and somebody launches two torpedoes into that and, and the whole thing goes up in smoke. OK, so they have the, the Commonwealth has been devising weapons that can modulate at the speed and they look more or less. I mean, it's very much a bow and arrow trick that can go through these fields. So they, they were able to do that. And then when they were able to get their hands from, you know, some of these, uh, you know, uh, people really just trying to get their freedom. They they, you know, they took the field watch and they have apparently cracked some of the field watches. There have been some uh, some agents that have gone down to the surface uh, and there have been there's a. a you know, we're not no one's entirely certain yet, but however the signal gets sent to the field watch, uh, it it can turn off the field. And so it's it's a major concern. OK, and it's something that people need to be aware of. All right. Uh, but that's why, you know, th this this goes back to one of the oldest principles of sovereign tech, which is, yes, technology can help set you free, but you've got to be free upstairs first. You know, you've got to do that inner work. First, you cannot rely on technology for people to have good behavior. You can't and you don't want it to either because it's not an intrinsic motivation. It's based upon fear. So. And, and you never want to base anything upon fear. That was the whole problem with guns, right? Is that it was just it was fear mongering and mass. You know, everybody walking around with a gun on their hip, which pretty much signified, hey, you mess with me, I'm going to blow your head off. So, you know, with, with this, but you want this, this is the thing you want to have, you know, your own skills that do not rely entirely upon technology. You want to be able to handle conversations. I mean, maybe, you know, one of the tools I'd like to be uh, get sent to a lot of these people, particularly in the Commonwealth, because uh, in the Amazon Entente, I don't think that necessarily it would be well received. But in the Commonwealth and maybe even in some bit nations, uh, you know, something like NVC where people could literally have conversations that have win-win scenarios that could get them out of an ugly situation without requiring or relying upon a field watch. There's a lot that could be done there, you know, and of course there's self-defense techniques to be learned, you know, Krav Maga, there, there's certainly a response to that. Um, this, I think this is going to get fixed pretty quick. Uh, in fact, as far as I understand it, they've already, you know, uh, some groups have already sent down, you know, dummy field watches to more or less figure out how exactly the Commonwealth is, is pulling this off. Okay. Because the Commonwealth, I mean, this is the last, you know, this, this really is kind of, 
I mean, they are warfare. Like they are, they are the conquerors. It seems like everybody else. Well, ominous is pretty conquering, but, but this is just that last vestige of that, that real old world style, uh, conquistador kind of attitude, you know, like where the United States army would, you know, go into an area and, and just pretty much, you know, citizen or not, you're getting taken out all this stuff as to where it seems like the, you know, the ominous blockchain is, uh, is far more efficient. Not that that's uh, a good thing in any way. It's just how it is. So I, I think a lot of people also use this and get a very isolationist attitude, which I believe me, I totally understand that I get the isolationist attitude and they say, look, we shouldn't even be taking this risk. They shouldn't even have to encounter our technology. We can just, you know, hide behind the, the cloak in the various cities and the floating cities, and they don't even have to know what's going on. They generally, other than a couple times with Organet in various temporary autonomous zones that, you know, a lot of these, these various nation states have not been able to access any information of what goes on. And because of that, they don't want anybody helping these people at all. They say, why take the risk? In fact, a lot of them start questioning, you know, boy, we've been talking a lot about people questioning various technologies. And again, I can understand that too, but they start questioning, you know, a lot of what we found, uh, in the hall of knowledge in Egypt, you know, the Sargonian technology, should we even be toying with that? And I know both doing both things, bringing more freedom and messing with that is a risk. But to talk about risk, I'm going to put let someone else put it in much better terms than I, I think I ever could. I give you Captain Kirk. They used to say if man could fly, he'd have wings. But he did fly. He discovered he had to. Do you wish that the first Apollo mission hadn't reached the moon? Or that we hadn't gone on to Mars and then to the nearest star. That's like saying you wish that you still operated with scalpels and sewed your patients up with catgut like your great, 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 great grandfather used to. I'm in command. I could order this. But I'm not. Because Dr. McCoy is right in pointing out the enormous danger potential in any contact with life and intelligence as fantastically advanced as this. But I must point out that the possibilities, the potential for knowledge and advancement is equally great. Risk. Risk is our business. That's what this starship is all about. That's why we're aboard her. Risk is our business, too. That's why so many decided to leave the comfort of governments or corporations. Because we wanted to take the risk of having real freedom. And I think it's important to give other people that opportunity if we can do it. And I think it's important to not shun. I know ever since the expedition over a decade ago, where the hall of knowledge was found underneath the Sphinx in Egypt, and we were given access to incredible technologies that seemingly humans created long, long ago on this planet on earth to shun these things 
would be a mistake because they are giving us so many options at real freedom. Let's keep going. Let's keep trying. Let's keep striving. Let's keep taking the risk because I don't think that at the end of it is a dark tunnel with no light. Like I always say on the show, Carpe Lucem, believe me, even if you see a tunnel, there really is light at the end of it. Let's get these field watches out to people. Let's get the stuff solved and let's keep advancing this technology that actually works for freeing people, not just in the zones, but all around the world. Risk is our business. We're anarchists. I'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. Software of the Week, where I cover software. Sometimes it doesn't work so well. Other times it's software that's absolutely amazing. But of course, this time we're going to talk about software. And now, of course, there's a lot of different distros of this. But every time there's a new release, it's always a really big deal. And so I'm excited to talk about it. And that is version 33 of GuardOS. Now, GuardOS, of course, is, you know, was birthed out of some very, you know, really what I used to call Bitcoin 3.0 technologies, as in things that thought even beyond the blockchain, but were so decentralized, okay? And there was one big one back in the day, back in the uh, in the early 21st century, and that eventually, that company morphed into creating, you know, the GuardNet and GuardOS. Uh, you know, it was Project Guard at first, and, and then, it, you know, it had another name before that. But anyway, and it ended up becoming GuardOS. And now we're up to version 33 of that. And that it is really, really exciting to use. And in fact, part of the reason it's so exciting to use is that for the first time, I think the OS actually runs really smooth because I've used a couple different versions. I've seen them, uh, you know, where... The, with a guard book, with a really like a thin client like that, that just accesses pretty much the GuardNet's cloud, more or less, uh, you know, where where it and how it operates, if you have a full client like, uh, you know, like a Jaguar three, uh, you know, or take your pick of any, you know, any laptop or even some of the, you know, some of the larger farmers out there, farming machines out there, um, those, you know, it, it's it's pretty seamless how they operate between each other, uh, which, you know, I'm not sure why exactly it was difficult, why it didn't work this seamlessly before, because it's not like, yeah, there's slightly different, you know, slightly different organic hardware uh, <laughs> in the various devices. Okay. But by and large, I mean, the, you know, the organic processes are still the same and, you know, almost all of them have, have a very similar quantum, you know, have pretty much the same quantum processor, uh, in it. And so I'm not exactly sure, you know, what, what the deal was there, but the other nice thing too, is that, uh, you know, with the new, with the new V-Cell transmission technology, this guard OS, you know, 33 actually really easily recognizes, um, a V, a V-Cell device, uh, which is really slick. So, and actually, 
I've seen, seriously, I've seen GuardOS work on an authlet. Someone put it on an authlet. Amazing. So really, really slick. It's definitely doing a great job of working, you know, across devices if you want it. Uh, again, I'm not sure why you'd want it on an authlet. I guess if you just want that really small device, I suppose they're, you know, if people really want all of that, they could start growing their own machines uh, of that size that would run perhaps like a thin client, because I can't imagine you're going to get great battery life out of that sort of thing. Um, but which I mean, battery, you know, again. Battery life, by and large, isn't that big of a concern. It's only a concern when you're going on, you know, really long trips, you know, say on on various parts of the surface or wherever. Uh, like I heard somebody, you know, went off to Antarctica and, and they went with a thin client and that was a bit of a mistake. But I mean, you can charge it, you know, with the solar cells or, or photo charging. I'm sorry, with with photo charging, you know, you can you mean you can charge this stuff pretty much anywhere. So it's not that big of a deal, but I mean, it just, it takes a lot to power, you know, quantum processors right now. I'm sure that's going to get better in the future and guard guard OS will be there, you know, to take advantage of that. And, and it's just, it is version 33 is running a whole hell of a lot slimmer. I really like it. Uh, and, and this is great because again, you know, the operating system alone you know, there's very little, it runs like what we used to call a real-time operating system where everything is just, you know, it's updating itself constantly, constantly, constantly. I mean, version 33 goes on, you know, with no problem. Of course, you know, you can choose to not put it on if, if you're deving for, you know, version 32, but everything just keeps consistently updating and it's never all in, you know, and your data, of course, is instantly connected to GuardNet, uh, you know, or any of the distros that you want to use. And, you know, and you don't even have to, you don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> I mean, and it's everywhere, you know, it's, it's all, it's shared among the various, uh, you know, passes it's shared among the various floating cities, you know, whatever. It's really, really cool. And version 33 of guard OS is doing an awesome job of that on what it can run. And in fact, this also, you know, we were just talking about, uh, field watches. Uh, this also can interface as far as I understand it, Guard version, Guard OS version 33 has been made to where like, like people are, uh, you know, some, some people are going to the surface and giving like Commonwealth people, giving them field watches. You can actually give them, uh, drives that will interface with Commonwealth computers and you could actually run, uh, GuardNet or you could run the guard. I'm sorry, not GuardNet. You could run the Guard OS, uh, down there. And I mean, that, that's really cool. Maybe that's not something necessarily, I mean, or at least if anything, if you went down to the surface and say, we're, you know, in, in, in the middle of the state, you could, you could get access. It's pretty cool. Uh, I, I thought that that was, that was a neat little trick. Uh, but of course that runs in more or less a virtual machine. So it's sandboxed and it's not going to interfere. You know, as long as you have it set up that way, it's not going to interfere with the rest. Uh, and, and in that portable version, it is always uh, sandboxed as I understand it, because you certainly wouldn't want other people, you know, getting access to garden. Not that they could spread mal spread malware or anything anyway. Uh, more of the concern is, is, you know, now as we understand it is infecting the hardware you know, with some kind of disease. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, GuardOS version 33, I love it. Do check it out. Uh, I, I, I couldn't recommend it more. So I'll be back with more. This is Brian Sovereign. You're listening to Sovereign Tech.
And it is time for the climax, where I talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. And this week, I want to talk about uh, a pretty interesting subject. Now, you know, Sovereign Tech listeners know, I love music. And one of the things that is, uh, you know, really been kind of controversial in the music scene is Kiss 2 versus Kiss 3. And what this is really all about is the fact that the original Kiss 2, which was, uh, you know, a group of young men uh, (laughs) a long time ago that were hired by, uh, you know, by Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley to continue on Kiss. They kept playing as Kiss and it wasn't unheard of. I mean, uh, you know, I remember back in like 2013 or whatever that Gene Simmons said there's no reason to think that Kiss has to die with you know, me and Paul. And so they actually did it. They hired uh, another group and uh, an incredibly young group. I mean, just a bunch of, you know, teenagers, really. And they kept putting out album after album after album of just some of the sexiest rock and roll you can imagine. Some of it, you know, being written by Gene and Paul, uh, of course. But, uh, but they, you know, they kept on going. They kept on touring and they're still touring to this day. You know, which is amazing because I know ever since, uh, you know, various life extension technologies have have been released over the years. uh, It's really exciting. I mean, you know, that people are literally living, you know, their 80s are like their 60s. And, you know, so these guys, you know, Eddie Lane, I mean, you know, all of them, they're still rocking and rolling this group and they're doing a great job. I mean, Eddie Lane sounds just like Paul Stanley. It's phenomenal. So but what's happening now is, is that uh, Kiss is, you know, there, there's people, management has decided, and it's insane. I mean, I know that, that there's still management, but management has decided that they want to change KISS 2. They, even though that's been a, you know, a crazy success, they want to create a hologram version and perhaps even at some point a clone version, but the hologram for starters, which hologram technology is, is fucking insane. Uh, these days, I mean, <laughs> I really, it's like the person's there, you know, I totally get it. I mean, when people are, you know, having, you know, holographic orgies and whatever else, uh, I, I, okay, I get it. You know, that's cool. I I've already taken part in, in some of those. That's wild. So to actually have Gene, Paul, Peter and Ace, or, and this is the really cool part is that if the, you know, if the performing is say, they're going to do lick it up. You can actually bring in a holographic Vinnie Vincent. I mean, you're never going to get, you were never going to get Vinnie Vincent to play with Kiss again. You know, or you could have Bruce Kulick come on or Eric Carr, who unfortunately died at a very early age. You know, and they, the holograms can come in and based upon the song, you can actually see the band play that you want to play. And, you know, it raises the question as far as, you know, the human touch in that. Yeah, okay, they can perform and they can go through all the motions just like Kiss always has for literally, you know, over 100 years. <laughs> um, but is there something missing? And who's going to write this music? You know, or is it just going to be like, are we literally going to let a computer write music on its own? And, you know, does that end up becoming AI? 
It's a big question. I mean, you know, something I talked about on Sovereign Tech uh, or that I just I talk about with everybody, you know, back, uh, you know, back back in the day was that I think we're going to get to a point where there's only so many notes with so many instruments that mathematically sooner or later you're going to run out of music. Now, people are being, you know, born and uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I expect this to change very soon with some other things that we'll talk about next week. Uh, you know, there, there's, I mean, people might not ever die, <laughs> but, but people are being born and people are dying. And so, you know, music has a timelessness. It gets, you know, experienced by, by new generations and it can go on forever. And is this just a way to, is the argument, is this just a way to, to keep it going on forever? And this way you don't have to, you know, pass on the makeup anymore you could just have i mean because even you know kiss too like you could have a hologram of eddie lane and they could perform you know into the eons in case they happen to die which i hope doesn't happen so it raises some big questions uh you know is there even more music i mean because kiss too hasn't i mean of course you know they're just called kiss but just for clarity we'll call them kiss too i need to do that for myself <laughs> for my own clarity and peace of mind uh kiss too you know, they haven't released an album, as I understand it, in in like 11 years. Is there more Kiss music to be made by bringing in a new group? Yeah, I mean, there's people, you know, lining up ready to be that that next group. But I don't know. I don't know if you can recapture that magic. Kiss 2 was, I mean, they were, they were handpicked by Gene, you know, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, which sadly they're, they're long gone. Okay, but... You know, how how else can you pick the attitude of Kiss without the original Kiss? I wonder. So part of me is okay with, you know, with this hologram, uh, you know, this holographic Kiss, you know, that being what, what people are calling Kiss 3. I think that's an interesting idea. But at the same time, I think there is something lost to perhaps the reason that that, that we don't run out of music even though I still think at some point we just like kind of have to, but perhaps the reason we don't is because that music comes out of human experience. It's an expression of, for lack of a better phrase, even though these don't exist, it's an expression of the soul. And if you're a hologram, well, you know, what experiences exactly do you have, <laughs> you know, to write music or sing about? Yeah, I would say, well, I mean, granted, you know, not to say that they wouldn't be projected from an organic machine. So maybe that's a lot closer to it. I mean, the argument is really convoluted, I have to admit. And and I can see it both ways. So but a part of me is also saying, you know, kind of the third option, because there's always a third option. There's always a third way. A part of me is thinking just retire kiss. And just let it end. Let kiss to do a, you know, do a, 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 you know, a final little final tour. I mean, hey, I remember I saw Motley Crue's final tour, okay, and they still made music after that, so even that's an option. And just let that happen and let it be. Maybe that's maybe that's what needs to to happen. So, you know, I, I mean, believe me, I would love to see Kiss to perform, uh, you know, Upside Down Sex Night again, okay. But, you know, I'll I'll catch that, and maybe that's enough for me. Hell a week ago i didn't even know that there was a kiss too but that's another story so <laughs> uh neural downlinks what a what a trip those are but 
Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you can, of course, contact me. You can message me and, uh, you know, in the show notes, just head over to the, the Sovereign Tech, you know, guard site and, and you can, uh, you know, just take your authlet and you, you know how to get in touch with me if you want to talk about that more. So anyway, I'm going to end the show off at that. Carpe Lucem, everybody. I think I'm on the other side. Computer, I think it's time to go home. Agent Sovereign, I thought you were enjoying 2099. I am. I, I really am. But something... Someone is missing. The lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Free world is amazing, but uh, perhaps freedom is in the heart. And, computer... Without her here, it it hurts too much. You can have all the freedom in the world, but still have pain. <clears throat> Do you have the computations done for reverse time warp? Time trajectory has been successfully calculated. We cannot go back further than when the studio was created, though. I know. We don't have to. Prepare the time warp for November 2014. Let's get back there. Agent Sovereign. Brian, are you sure? I've never been more sure of anything. 2099, it's been real. I'll do what I can to make sure you become real. Carpe Lucem. Computer, initiate time warp. Initiating time warp in 3, 2, 1.
computer. What year have we arrived in? We are in the year 2015. And where is Brian Sovereign? Agent Sovereign is presently in the geographic area known as New Hampshire. What? The Shire? With the anarchists? They're far too advanced. The area is not yet known as the Shire, and has yet to invent force field technology. They use primitive, ineffective projectile-based weaponry. Can we make contact with the blockchain in this time? The ominous blockchain is only in its earliest stages of development in this time period. However, in this time humans are willfully obsessed with cameras and have no concern for their privacy. We can use antiquated systems such as Google and Facebook to find Agent Sovereign. Excellent. We have to stop him and others like him, here and now. Arcadians will eventually flourish and destroy the ominous blockchain if we don't. Computer, begin searching for Agent Sovereign. Anarchy must be stopped.